0: I take it in but don't look down Cause I'm on top of the world hey eh? I'm on top of the world hey eh? waiting on this for a while now Pay my toast to the turn I've been waiting this all day the whole thing take it with me if I can getting the best it's a child I'm on top of the world Hey everybody it's uh Brian Nemhauser hawk blogger Hawkblogger.com, at Hawkblogger on Twitter, and um, man, I'm off work for like a week and a half. <laughs> so I've got uh, plenty of time to catch up with all of you and talk a little Seahawks. I just finished uh, cramming my mouth full of uh, Seahawks blue and green chocolate covered almonds. If you've seen these at Costco, they're. They're like blatantly Seahawks-themed, and um, they're pretty darn good. Um, I actually got them before the Seahawks played the Bengals and uh, made a deal with my son. Uh, I was going to get a Seahawks almond for every time the Seahawks attempted a pass and Russell Wilson was not sacked. (laughs) And he was going to get an almond, a Seahawks almond, um, for every point the Seahawks scored. And um, it was looking really good for both of us (laughs) for a while there. Uh, And it's just a great time stamp of kind of where things were at that time. That's the gallows humor I had about the Seahawks, you know, offensive line and Russell Wilson's ability to to get rid of the ball at that time. I mean, that was, you know, let's think, that was the fifth week of the season. Um, To that point, they'd had one game that um, was, I think, under four sacks allowed. That's right. I think two of their first four games, they gave up six sacks. (laughs) And, you know, including the game to Detroit, They gave up six sacks to Detroit, and at that point, Detroit, I think, had maybe two sacks on the season or something like that. I mean, they were a horrible pass-rushing team. So, uh, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, they're going to go face Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlop, and um, that can't be good. And I'm just going to have to enjoy this game some other way because they're just not going to have a good chance. And um, sure enough, um let's see, I was pass protected wonderfully in that game Russell Wilson did end up getting sacked four times. I got At least I don't know. Let's see how many pass attempts were there in that game. There was um 23 so I got 23 almonds and uh, <laughs> And uh, There was four times that I was not able to get an almond so um, I was robbed of four but you know you look back and and that was kind of in the midst of the the team kind of finding themselves and um, it looked like they had really turned the corner there 24 seven against an undefeated team on the road. And I think a really good team when Andy Dalton's in there and the, the Bengals are healthy, that it's a really good team and the Seahawks were just stomping them. Um, It was, you know, that's a curb stomp kind of performance. And, you know, as we all know, that didn't turn out the right way, so they uh, they end up losing that game, but I banished the Seahawks' almonds into one of my drawers, um, partially because I just couldn't avoid eating them if I saw them around, so I just rediscovered them tonight, and uh, you're all thinking, oh my god, you've just jinxed the team, and um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to take credit or blame, but... Uh, I will tell you that I ate too many of those, and uh, I now have chocolate courage um, to power me through this podcast. So, uh, you know, lots to kind of catch up on. I think it's been a few weeks since I did a podcast. Um, I've actually been, you know, in the process of, you know, when I'm not writing and not doing my job and not parenting or being a husband and all that other stuff, uh, I've been looking at you know, moving my blog to a new, um, system. I'm on blogger now and it's super crappy and I've been there since 2007 and I just don't have any time to deal with, with that kind of stuff. But, um, the site's been growing leaps and bounds. Um, thanks to all of you that listen. Thanks to all of you that share the stuff, post my articles on Reddit, share them on Twitter You know, um, obviously, I don't ask for any money, and and, uh, all the proceeds I get from anything I raise on the site, I donate to Ben's Fund, Um, and I know most of you guys know that, and so anything you can do to share stuff from the site is truly appreciated. It's a great way to give back for for the time that I spend, and not at all, um, uh, you know, in any sort of guilt sort of way, because I spend the time... Willingly, I, I probably would spend this time. I have spent this time when nobody reading the stuff, but I do spend at least a few hours a day um, doing research and writing. And um, I know that a lot of you really appreciate it, and um, I appreciate that you appreciate it. And and um, you know, any chance you get to share that stuff's great. But anyway, um, I'm looking at moving the site. It's gonna you know probably move it to WordPress. I've looked at other options and. Um, it'll look a little bit better especially on mobile and um, perform hopefully a little bit better and you know in the process there's a bunch of other stuff that's kinda of come up so that's kinda of been on my mind um, I will let you know I'm kinda of interested I'm, I'm reaching out to a few other you know high qu- what I consider high-quality bloggers um, on various Seattle related topics so um, if there's other blogs that you read that you love um, you know, especially if they're based in Seattle, if the writer's from Seattle or it's about Seattle stuff, let me know. Um, I'd, I'd be curious in, in finding out more about them. I'm always looking to, to meet other bloggers in the area. And um, um, I think there's some opportunities for, for Seattle blogs to kind of work together and, um, you know, help each other. So, anyway, uh, enough about that. Um, although I'm sure there's some people that are probably curious about that stuff. Um, I know, I know I've gotten a lot of questions and I get some emails from people like, how do you do this? And, um, you know, how, how do you balance your time and how do you, you know, do you make any money and what kind of money do you make and, and how do you do that and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Um, I think most people listen to talk about the Seahawks, so uh, I gonna focus on that, but you know, maybe sometime I'll splinter off and, and do some, uh, some business blogging or blogging blogging and and uh, other people be following that stuff. So uh, regarding the Seahawks, uh, recent news, seven Seahawks make the Pro Bowl. Um, You've got Cam Chancellor, you've got Earl Thomas, you've got Bobby Wagner, you've got Russell Wilson, you've got Richard Sherman, uh, you've got Tyler Lockett, you've got Michael Bennett, Um, that's seven, yeah I think I got seven there. Um, I literally have my fingers up in front of me to make sure I got all of them. Uh, And then you've got five alternates. Um, Doug Baldwin, Stephen Hauschka, Cliff Averill. I believe K.J. Wright's on that list. And uh, let me look real quick. Seahawks Pro Bowl alternates. I think, is it Marshawn Lynch? That can't be right that would be silly. Sorry, you're hearing me look on the internet. This is a quality podcasting. Um uh let's see if I got that right. Oh, Russell Okung. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, um yeah, Russell Okung is is uh, an alternate as well. And you know, it's funny. I I think in general, you almost see the alternates end up sometimes being more deserving than the the actual People that were selected. Um, and I don't know exactly how it works in terms of bonuses. If someone has a Pro Bowl bonus, do they get it for being named an alternate or do they have to actually have someone bow out and be named? If the Seahawks get where they want to go or we all want them to go, no one from the team will be in the Pro Bowl, which will be great. But um, I'd be kind of curious okay, if you're Doug Baldwin um, or you're kj Wright or something like that and or cliff averill a good better example and you want to you know you want to make your first pro bowl and maybe you've got a contract bonus for it and you're an alternate and the person in front of you bows out and so you get named to the pro bowl and then you don't play in the pro bowl because you make the super bowl do you get your bonus um I don't know, like, I, cause I know that there's a number of people that bow out due to injury and, and just not wanting to play, and so a lot of alternates end up making it. I don't know. I'm curious how contracts are structured that way, but um, I'll, maybe I'll ask one of the guys and see if they'll give me some uh some details. But it's it's really it's pretty cool. It's a cool number to see seven Seahawks make it. Um, Twelve, you know, total guys honored in some way, shape, or form. You know, it doesn't feel like in a lot of ways this has been a Pro Bowl level season for the Seahawks, and maybe that's just me. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's been a lot of standout performances across the season. I think that there's been um, a few. I think the guys, to me, that have been consistently what I would consider Pro Bowl level throughout the year um, uh, would be Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, um I think Russell Wilson, obviously, and what he's done of, of late, is clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Doug Baldwin is leading the NFL in touchdowns. Um, uh, Richard Sherman. I mean, I think Sherman is a tough one because I don't think he played as well at the beginning of the year, but you know, I, I don't see corners that are better than him, and he's been asked to do more and has done really well with that responsibility and played well against some of the best receivers in the game so you know he's he's, he's a definite for me um, and then KJ um, would be another so you know that that's a decent list I guess that's maybe six um, I, I don't think Cam and Earl have played to a Pro Bowl level this year I think Cam's played better than Earl but I don't think either of them have had anywhere near their best years um, it'll be I'll be interested to see how all-pro works out. Um, I was just doing a little bit of pre-podcast research and seeing that the last person to lead the NFL in touchdowns and not make either the first or second team all pro was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> no I'm not talking about the uh, Skyhook guy. Um This is a running back for the Miami Dolphins. This was back in 1997. He led the NFL with, I believe, 16 total touchdowns and did not make either All-Pro team and also did not make the Pro Bowl team. So with our very own Doug Baldwin looking like he has a decent chance to lead the NFL in touchdowns. touchdowns, He's currently tied for the lead um, with guys like Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars i like doug's chances we'll see but um he i think there's a decent chance he could be the the first player since kareem abdul jabbar to not make the pro bowl or make the all pro team despite leading the league in touchdowns and that would be a shame um he's definitely deserved deserves a little bit more recognition and who knows how these seasons will come and go you know my read of this this run by the Seahawks and the increased proficiency in a lot of ways, but specifically in the passing game, is that this is what's the best word for it? You know, it's it's uh, it's a new threshold. It's it's a they basically they've crossed a threshold that they will not go back. Um, from so they've reached a new level um, and I think they'll be able to sustain this I think sure certainly they'll have games that are better and games that are worse they'll play better defenses or worse defenses and the numbers will vary but I believe that we've kind of you know crossed crossed over to a new type of Seahawks offense and Seahawks passing game that will allow Seattle to play games where the um the quarterback and the receivers are gonna have to win the game because the running game and the you know defense can't. And we saw that against Pittsburgh. It was the first time we've seen that since Russell's been quarterback. And you know, I see no reason why that can't continue or why that won't. I think some of the plays they run might change. Some of the people involved may change, but Russell Wilson's going to be your Seahawks quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. And um, if you look at what Tom Brady's career was like, um, who I think Russell has a very you know similar c- career trajectory to, um, you know, Tom Brady didn't, throw for the type of numbers or put up the type of numbers that Russell Wilson has put up, um, until, you know, his fifth or sixth year in the league, um, you may be surprised to find out that, um, Tom Brady was not an MVP, um, early on in his career, you know, he, uh, He won those Super Bowls without being an MVP player. And, you know, back then, the Patriots were very much a defense-driven team. They actually had a really good running game as well. That was back in the Corey Dillon era, and, you know, they had some other players. But, um, you know, Tom Brady didn't win his first MVP until—you want to take a guess before I tell you? I mean— They won the Super Bowl, you know, and I think it was 2000, was it 2000, 2003, 2004? Um, Let me double check that. I'm pretty sure Tom Brady's rookie year was 2000. So let's take a look back. Um, Yeah, so the Patriots won sorry, I was wrong, 2002, 2004, and 2005. So this was the 2001 season, the 2003 season, and the 2004 season is when they won the Super Bowl. Um, It's always a little confusing because the Super Bowl's dates are always the year after the season. Um, But anyway, uh, as far as, you know, Tom Brady had won three Super Bowls before he ever won an MVP. Um, he didn't win his first until 2007 when the Patriots went undefeated. Um, you know and he's won another, he won another in 2010, but you know, for the most part, he had been a player that really was a game manager um, And I think that what you're seeing from Russell Wilson is um, a little bit of precocious and his ability to eclipse um, what I think even Pete Carroll expected or wanted from him at, at, at this time. Um, you know, when Pete talks about building a team, he's always talked about a game manager and a point guard at, at quarterback and that you know, he doesn't want to build a team that's reliant on a franchise quarterback because they're so hard to find and if he goes down, then what happens to the rest of the team? Um, you know, he just wants to build you know a much more balanced team. Well, that's not to say he doesn't want to have a franchise quarterback or that he won't take advantage of having one. So you know, you hear him talk about, that Russell's going to be learning and growing and, and, you know, the next few years is going to continue to see more things from defenses and take on, um, you know, more, you know, maturity around what he sees pre-snap and what he does in terms of helping the offensive line set up blocking assignments and adjust those things on the fly. All quarterbacks that get more time, learn that stuff you know over time but usually it can take five to seven years before someone really has a firm grasp on that Peyton Manning was kind of a totally different type of player that almost came into the NFL with with all that knowledge I mean he had an NFL dad as a quarterback and an NFL quarterback as a dad I should say and that's pretty rare um, I think to have that kind of savvy and and knowledge um, that early on um you know, Russell has a good chance now to throw for 4,000 yards this season. Um, that will be, you know, this is his fourth season. Brady didn't do that till his fifth. Um, you know, Russell has a good chance to throw for over eight yards a carry, eight and a half yards a carry. Um, and. I'm looking, Tom Brady didn't do that until 2011. You know, he had been in the league over a decade (laughs) before he did that, and he only did it once. So, um, yeah, I think what we're seeing from Russell Wilson, it may be uncomfortable for people to think about it. Um, You know, they they may strain against it, but... I don't think it's ridiculous to say he's on pace to be the best quarterback ever. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, I wrote earlier this week that he's got an outside shot to throw for over 4,000 yards for more than 34 touchdowns or 34 touchdowns or more um, to complete over 68% of his passes and throw for, you know, seven interceptions or less. Uh there's only one other guy that's ever done that. It was Aaron Rodgers in the highest-rated season ever, 122.5, I believe. That was in 2011 when he led the Packers to a 15 and 1 season. Um and sure, you know, some people bristle at the idea that that Russell you know could have one of the greatest quarterback seasons ever when you're talking about you know Tom Brady and and Peyton Manning having 50 touchdown seasons and um that should be what really you judge it by that's fine I mean I'm not gonna press that I do think touchdowns are are of all those stats are the most important one although I think interceptions are pretty dang important as well and um I think Yards per attempt is pretty important as well, and if you're able to to be that efficient of a player, um, yeah, I would take that with a good running game and with a guy that actually can run as well uh, over a guy that just you know just passes. So, um, you know, I think I think Wilson right now he leads the NFL in passer rating. Um, He He's doing everything right, um, so people want to know whether Russell Wilson should be the MVP. Uh, you know, I I have to tell you, I don't care almost at all about that kind of stuff. So maybe I'm not the best person to to speak on it. But my general read is, you know, Cam Newton's been Cam Newton and Carson Palmer have been playing at an extremely high level all year long. Those of you that know me or listen to me or read me know that I can't stand Camp Newton. I mean, I just can't stand it. I can't stand the, the just showboating Showboating's showboating is even the wrong word. Cause I like showboating, but there's just an arrogance to the way that he celebrates. That is about, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to watch. Um, but, last year i called it out when they came in um, the panthers came in and played us in the first round uh well the second round our first game uh, of the playoffs last year i thought he would just crumble in seattle um, i mean the seahawks had made him look pretty bad in carolina the previous couple of years even that year even last year and i thought The pressure of the situation. I thought the noise, the crowd noise, um, the way the Seahawks had been playing. I thought he would just get crunched, and his final numbers didn't necessarily look good. He threw the pick six to Cam at the end there, but I was super impressed with how his poise and some of the throws he made. I his throwing motion is crap. It takes so long. Like he just winds up forever, and then he just throws it as hard as he can, and um it worked though it worked and so you know i remember that game and i remember being impressed and so it's not a huge shock to me that they come in this year and and cam has been playing well i think um seattle had them dead to rights uh his passer rating after three quarters this year against seattle was 15.5 and yet at the end he started picking on Kerry williams um and to his credit, led them back. And to 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 the point about the MVP stuff, you know, he's having a year um, that statistically doesn't really measure up to Russell's year um, in almost any way. But uh, he's he's leading an undefeated team, and he's been very consistent. And so, I have no problems with him being MVP. I'd have no problems with Carson Palmer being MVP. Um, there's probably some others out there I'm not thinking about because I haven't honestly put a lot of thought into who should be the MVP. Those are the two guys that kind of jumped to the top. Tom Brady could obviously be on that list. Um, I think he's been great, although he's clearly struggled a little bit as the as the uh, injuries amounted up for the, the Patriots. But I will say, you know, 2013 MVP was Peyton Manning and the 2014 MVP was Aaron Rodgers didn't work out so well for them Seattle kind of took care of that so uh, bring me Cam Newton as MVP bring me Carson Palmer Um, even better bring me Tom Brady and let's settle some scores so uh, I'm all about the playoffs right now I'm all about looking at you know what Seattle can do and um, everyone's I think rightfully focused on trying to get the fifth seed, and that's great. I, I think that's right. Um, and the reason is that if Seattle gets the fifth seed, they will likely face the NFC well, they will face the NFC East champion. And I'd be willing to bet that's gonna be the Washington Redskins at this point, and we'll talk about that one second. And assuming they get by, which is a big assumption they get by whoever the NFC champ is, then um, they would go to Carolina, assuming that the, um, assuming that the third seed won their game against the sixth seed. And let's talk about that first round for just a second because it's a little confusing. So, First, top two teams with, you know, top two division winners with the best records get a a bye week. They don't play at all. So first, the wild card weekend, as it's called, um, you'll get the sixth seed will play the third seed, and the fourth seed will play the fifth seed, right? So the Seahawks can only be the fifth or the sixth seed. So they're going to be going on the road to, to someone. And then once that game that weekend is done then they reshuffle so um, the number one seed which will be Carolina almost certainly um, will get the lowest seed they'll host the lowest seed and whoever this you know the Cardinals the second seed will host the second lowest seed so for example if um, the kind of chalk the expected the expected outcome happened and seattle beat the nfc east champ so and let's say that they were the seattle's number five seed so now number five would move through and then let's say uh it's gonna be green bay or minnesota we don't know which is going to be number three and which is never going to be number six but let's say you know green bay ends up being the number three seed and green bay wins So that would be, you know, number three, Green Bay would go to number two, Arizona. Number five, Seattle would go to number one, Carolina. Um, If Seattle was to get through Carolina, they would go to the winner of the Green Bay-Arizona game. So that's kind of the, the path through the playoffs. But the interesting thing here is that that's based on a lot of, I think, incomplete thinking. Um, and let's start with the Green Bay, Minnesota situation. So, Green Bay and Minnesota are locked in, um, in a pretty tight race. And Green Bay has the advantage because they won the first matchup. But here's the thing. Uh, Green Bay plays the Cardinals this week, and then and the uh, Vikings play the Giants, and then the Vikings play in Green Bay in the final week of the season, next week. So, the Vikings have been treading water pretty decently, other than their blowout against the Seahawks, and they've been doing it without harrison smith without linval joseph and without um anthony Barr, have that right yeah so those are their three best defensive players they are a defense first football team and a run first football team teddy bridgewater has been playing actually a lot better lately He's one of the hotter quarterbacks over the last few weeks and now they're starting to get their players back bar is supposed to be coming back um it's possible smith and joseph Joseph will be back as well and it would not surprise me. So let's say I think you'd already expect the Vikings to beat the Giants. Um, although Giants played the Panthers tough. Who knows? What we can see, but I would pick the Vikings to beat the Giants. Um, and if that happens, it actually doesn't matter what happens in the green Bay, Arizona game. Green Bay could win. Arizona could win. It doesn't matter if, The Vikings win against the Giants, and then the Vikings win against Green Bay. They're going to be the third seed. And I don't think that's that unrealistic, honestly. I think the Vikings are—I look at every team every week the Seahawks play. I think the Vikings are a better team than the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is, you know, really well-known, and I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot—you know, there's a reason he's well-known— um but i don't have a lot of belief in the packers as as a strong playoff team um so you know you could easily have a vikings team that ends up number 3 um and then You know, you could also have it vice versa. You could have Green Bay end up number three. Either way, what you're going to see is they're going to rematch in the first round of the playoffs. And it's hard to beat a team two weeks in a row. Um, Depending, it could be in the same location. It could flip to where now you're playing a team on the road. Um, Actually, no, that couldn't happen. I'm trying to think. No, it couldn't happen. You know, they could Yeah. The only thing that could happen would be they play in Green Bay twice or they go from Green Bay to playing in Minnesota. Um so so that could happen, sure, if, if uh Minnesota wins. But um in any event I think that's gonna be a tough thing and I think you could easily see either one as the sixth seed upsetting the third seed. I don't think that's a stretch at all. They're pretty evenly matched. They have different strengths. Um, Minnesota's already lost to to Green Bay and actually lost them somewhat badly, but I watched that whole game and it was it was really close um, until late and there was just some things that kinda went the the Packers way. Um and so if the sixth seed wins, then remember what we just talked about then again, the Seahawks have to get by, you know, as the fifth seed. But then what happens is they reshuffle, and the sixth seed would go to Carolina, and the fifth seed would go to Arizona. So I think there's some people out there selling everyone this line that Seahawks' path to the playoffs as the number five seed is that they're going to play the NFC East, and then they're going to go to Carolina, and then they go to, you know, Arizona. Um, I don't think that's necessarily what i'd say is the most likely um i think there's there's a really a decent chance that the seahawks could end up um going to the nfc place and then going to arizona in the second game and i think Arizona's real vul- vulnerable i think they're i think seattle matches up better with arizona right now than they do with the panthers i think the panthers defense is significantly better than the cardinals defense and i think the um cardinals offense is you know has been affected by some injury and we'll see you know where they are at running back they had obviously a good performance against the eagles but watching that game i feel like anybody would have a good performance against the eagles defense that was just hard to watch um but the panthers you know they've got they've got some injuries in the secondary it'd be interesting to see how that kind of you know looks at, at that point but um in all, you know, if you've got Luke Keekley out there, and you've got Quan Short, and you've got Thomas Davis, and you've got Josh Norman, I mean, they're going to be a handful um, on that side of the ball. And then offensively, I think that they run the ball hard, and I don't think you know they've been putting up a ton of points. Um, but uh, you know, if I had to choose, I think I think the Cardinals are an easier team there. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, if I had my pick, you know, I I think that Green Bay probably is a tougher matchup for the Panthers than the Vikings. Um, I think the the Vikings are such a run first team and I think the Panthers have what it takes to shut down almost anybody's run game, um, when they're healthy, when they've got their guys. And I think if you have the Packers, you know, basically I'm saying I would cheer for the Vikings to win that division for the Packers to get the six seed. And if that happens, I think there is, I would say there's a good chance, but there's a reasonable chance that the Packers could go into Carolina and upset them. I think Aaron Rodgers is the type of player that can, you know, really stress that defense and, um, uh, gives them some trouble. And, uh, maybe they could figure out some kind of defensive plan that would would slow down the, the Panthers I know they were in there earlier this season and were way behind and came back and almost won that game So there might have been some lessons learned there Um, but if that were to happen if if the Packers got the sixth seed and um, the Seahawks got the fifth and the Seahawks win their first game and they win their second game and the Packers somehow beat the Panthers then you're looking at a repeat of last year's NFC Championship. Um, Green Bay would travel to Seattle for the right to go to Super Bowl 50. I don't, I don't think that's the most likely thing. I'm not, you know, crazy, but uh, that is not at all out of the realm of possibilities. I think that that it's not hard to believe that something like that could play out. So that's why you want the fifth seed because it does give you some chance of maybe hosting at least one home game. Um, but you know, if not, if not, um, then, you know, I don't think being the sixth seed is going to be that bad either. Uh, I think going to, um, going to the NFC North champ, you know, it would be Green Bay or Minnesota playing there that's tougher than the nfc east champ probably um and then you'd go on the road most likely to carolina and then you'd go to um to arizona most likely although i will tell you that if minnesota is the number five seed i would pick them over let's say a washington and then i would I would be really tempted to pick them to beat the Cardinals. I think they're a very bad matchup for the Cardinals um, in the postseason, given the kind of injuries that the Cardinals are facing. Um, but you know, we got to get there first. Um, and I think one of the things that I will caution people about is is assuming the Redskins win that division. I think. For my money, they've been the best team in that, you know, it's been a bad division all year. And Kirk Cousins is playing some terrific football quarterback, incredibly efficient. Um, he's been really effective in the red zone. He's actually running balls in as well as passing and um, putting up just some really big numbers. Deshaun Jackson's, you know, back in their lineup the last few weeks. And that seems to have like lit a fire on that offense um, I think their defense has a lot of challenges I haven't had a chance to to dig into them in depth but I did a cursory kind of overview of them to um, satisfy my own curiosity and um, they're playing really good football so that's not a team that I would expect the Seahawks to just roll over um, if you might recall the Seahawks went into Washington last year um, during the regular season and played Kirk Cousins at quarterback and <laughs> Almost lost that game. I was at that game, and uh, no Redskins fan in attendance thought the Redskins had any chance. I certainly didn't think they had any chance. And um, the Seahawks, you know, certainly gave them many chances um, to win that game. And Kirk Cousins played all right. So I think that could be a tough, tough one. It would be interesting to go back and revisit the 2012 run there's so many similarities to to the 2012 season in this one but um that's kind of looking like what's gonna happen um almost i would going say regardless of what happens over the next few weeks but you know assuming the seahawks can go in and and beat st louis this week this is their final home game i know i'm i'm pretty sad about that it's been it's always great to go to the seahawks games and as a season ticket holder you know it's eight of my favorite days of the year. And the last few years it's, it's been, um, you know, 10 of my favorite days of the year. Cause we, we get to go, uh, during the playoffs as well. Um, and I'll never forget last year. I mean, the, the first couple NFC championships I went to were obviously incredibly memorable. The, the win against the Panthers back in 2005. Um, still the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. And then the win in 2013 against the 49ers was single greatest game I ever watched. Um, and definitely the best game I ever attended. And then last year against the Packers, I think I was, if I wasn't the last person to leave the stadium, I was one of the last they kicked me out. I was just sitting there and, um, it, you know, I just had to soak it in. It feels like these opportunities are so rare. Um, and, uh, to have a team that's playing this well and that's worth watching and worth talking about and worth podcasting about and worth listening to podcasts about um doesn't come around um every year so um i would love it would be great to get another chance to watch another nfc championship game but um if not gonna enjoy this this final home game and um you know, assuming that, that the Seahawks find a way to, to make the third straight Super Bowl, I'll find a way to be there to watch that for sure. But um, yeah, main point there with the Redskins is that's going to be a tough one. Um, and I think this week with the Rams, there's a little bit of a cautionary note there because you've got Case Keenum at quarterback and he's a little bit new and you don't have as much tape on him and he Played reasonably well. He made some throws that I was impressed with. Dropped him into, you know, open spots and zones and over coverage and then, you know, in front of coverage. And, you know, I think he looked pretty good. You see the score, 31-23, and you think, oh, wow, well, you know, the Rams put up some points. <laughs> Funny thing is they only had like 319 yards of offense, and um, the Bucks put up over 500 yards of offense. Um, so the Bucks really screwed that game up in a lot of ways. And um, just, I don't know, they didn't seem like they came with the right plan or the right frame of mind um, to, to get a win. I think they thought it was going to be much easier than it was. Um, and, you know, the Rams are second to last in scoring. I think they're second to last in yards. They are dead last in third down conversions. There was some period of time where they... I want to say they were like four for 36 or four for 39 or some crazy streak over 3 games where you know they just were converting like 10% of their third downs. For the season they're 25% on third downs. To give you some idea, the Seahawks are 64% over the past 5 weeks. So uh you do not score points or do anything of meaning when you're at 25% on third downs, even last week when they scored 31 points, they were two for 10 on third downs and both third down conversions came on the same drive. Um, So, you know, one of their touchdowns was, you know, a big, long touchdown throw to Kenny Britt came on, I think a second down that drive didn't even have a third down. Um, Another drive was they had a 50 plus yard kickoff return and had a short field and, I don't believe they had any third downs in that drive either. Um, that defense, <laughs> they've got talent, you know. Alec Ogletree's on the injured reserve. TJ um, McDonald is on the injured reserve. Um, their safety, um, and I think that uh, I think that the Seahawks, no matter what who's healthy and who's playing the Seahawks always struggle with, um, with, uh, the Rams and especially with, with, uh, with Jeff Fisher at, at, at coach. So who knows? I mean, the, the Vegas has this as a 13 and point spread, which is, uh, it's kinda nuts. Um I mean the Seahawks last year won by fourteen points, twenty to six in the final game of the season in a game that they needed to win. Um and that seemed that seems easy, right? Well, the Rams were up six nothing at halftime. Um the Seahawks were up thirteen to six in the late in the fourth quarter. They didn't take the lead until the fourth quarter. Um, and until Bruce Irvin ran a pick six back with about 10 minutes left in the game to make it 20 to six, it was a one score game. And this was against Sean Hill as their quarterback, Sean Hill, the guy with like a head, the size of the Goodyear blimp. Um, like they don't, they have to like custom make helmets so this guy can wear a helmet. Um, and he's like 7,000 years old. And yet, with sean hill the rams were right there with a team in seattle that had been destroying everyone in their path last year at that time the way they finished last year and this is a team that went on to go to the super bowl and it still you know it was tough so i can't expect anything but a tough game against the rams aaron donald is a beast todd gurley is a beast um the return game's good. Tavon Austin is dangerous. It's a good test. You know, it's a good test for Seattle and it's a good comparison to where they were to start the year. Um, that was a game that if you remember getting back to the jokes about the, the Bengals and the magic almonds, I mean, we all knew watching preseason that this offensive line was not ready and we all knew that the first game of the season was in St. Louis against Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald and William Hayes and Michael Brockers and Nick Fairley. And, um, it was tough. They actually, the first part of the drive, first, first drive Seattle had, they were moving the ball. Well, they were getting rid of the ball quickly, um, and moving pretty effectively. But, it stalled, like you know, other drives. They ended up being one for four in the red zone in that game, which ended up being uh, uh, an unfortunate omen of things to come, um, in which the Seahawks were dead last in the NFL in red zone for the first half of the season, and ended up giving up six sacks. Um, so... That was a game that will be a great comparison to where the team is now. They're going to be playing in Seattle. They're going to be playing with a line that I think is better. Um, I don't think. I know is better. Um, With a quarterback who I absolutely know is better. And a defense that does have Cam Chancellor, maybe, depending on if he's back from injury, but um, at least knows, knows their identity a little bit, knows who's going to be where. Does not have Kerry Williams. Um, to give up plays although Kerry Williams had a strip six in that game so you know that was a big contribution of the year um, but I'll be interested you know I, I think I think the Seahawks offensive line had some challenges with the Browns this week I think that the Browns played a lot better than people give them credit for they definitely played better than a 13-13 score 30-13 score would indicate and I was encouraged watching that game again. Seattle had to work for what they got on offense. And yet still they scored on six of eight possessions. And one of those possessions that they didn't score was a kneel down. So they moved the ball. They were effective. They ended up being nine for 12 on third downs nuts. Um, They ended up being two for four in the red zone. And one of those non red zone conversions was uh, at the end of the first half when they, uh, kicked a field goal with no time remaining on the clock after that face mask. So, you know, re- truthfully, they were two for three in the red zone when they had, you know, a real chance to, to get a touchdown. So, um, you know, signs were positive. I think this is going to be another chance to face what is a challenging team and see if they can maintain their level um, of play, maintain the Seahawks' level of play. And I'll be really interested to see the run game, the The Rams struggle against the run. Um, I'm sure they'll be tough for the Seahawks. They're, the Rams are a fantastic third down defense. I think they're second best in the NFL. They're good at third and short. They're good at third and long. Um, they're a great red zone defense as well. And I think Kristen Michael was the best of the three running backs last week. I don't think there was any question. Um, 12 of his 16 runs were for four yards or more. Um there was only two of Bryce Brown's runs that were for four yards or more. So two of his nine carries. So, you know, I didn't love what I saw in Bryce Brown. I think he's fine. I don't think he's bad. I'm not dogging on Bryce Brown. I, I would prefer him over Dewan Harris. I certainly did not like what I saw from DeWan Harris and was not surprised to see him let go. But I think, you know, no shock, Kristen Michael's got the talent, and if he's going to be reliable, you give him the ball. And so I I think Pete Carroll's being very careful because he knows that Kristen Michael mentally is not as strong as some of his other guys. And so he does not want to give Kristen Michael any, you know, rope to hang himself with. You know, he's going to make him earn every carry and he's going to try to make him feel that weight and that tension and that competition. As much as possible, but he's also got to be smart and say this is the guy that they need to increase the carries for. He got 16 last week. Let's see if he can get 20 this week. Um, you know, I'd like to see if you know can he break one. Um, I think we're 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 going to see if he's given the opportunity if he can get himself on the field. I've always said the question will not be whether Christian Michael can produce when he's given opportunity. The question is can he earn the opportunity and the Seahawks don't have much of a choice right now. And I think if given 20 touches in a game, I think there's a really good chance you're going to see, you know, one big play. I'm talking 30, 40 yards. Um, he's got that kind of burst. He's got that kind of um, wiggle to him. And, you know, it could come from a pass play. It doesn't, it could be a screen. Um, swing pass um, but it could also come from a running play so uh, I'd love to see him get those chances and for the Seahawks to learn about him a little bit more Um, I'd love to see him put that on film (laughs) where other teams are going to have to potentially worry about that because look Marshawn Lynch hopefully is coming back none of us know for sure you know we've heard I don't think you can trust anything Pete Carroll says because we've heard him say Percy Harvin's on his way back plenty of times and you know, then he didn't come back week after week and you know, uh, yeah, Paul Richardson's back and, or we really think he's going to be back. And then two weeks later he's on the injured reserve. And so Pete Carroll's pretty cagey with that stuff. He's also very optimistic with that stuff. So, um, can't count on it, but I am pretty hopeful all in all that Marshawn Lynch will be back and then the question is, can he stay healthy? You know, I, that's not a question cause he's always been injury prone, but he's just had a surgery. Um, it's a surgery that can be affected by strain, you know, like, you know, uh, if it was a sports hernia and, and you're talking about Marshawn dragging people around and pushing off with his legs the way he does the chance of a re-injury is there. I'm not a doctor, but just, using some common sense um, seems like that's possible and we also just don't know what he's gonna have like how he's gonna look so having another running back that could potentially step up and be a meaningful starter big deal I mean Thomas Rawls was phenomenal and such a huge loss um, just from fun to watch and you know love his style and love the. you know I, I think you know, to be uh, blasphemous, I think he's an even better runner than Marshawn Lynch in this system. Um, I, I think he's, you know, with his cutting and his total lack of wasted motion, um, you know, he's just perfect for what the Seahawks want to do with their run game. Um, but he's gone. So, you know, if Marshawn's going to be healthy, great, then we get this opportunity to have a little bit of a turbo boost come come playoffs. Um but even if he is healthy, having a guy like Christian Michael around who can spell him and do what Rawls was doing before Lynch went down, which is get seven to ten carries a game. And if he can be a change of pace player, which he absolutely is to to Lynch, um it's great. It's great. It's another thing for teams to have to prepare for and um, it gives the, the Seahawks a little bit of depth and a little bit of um, reassurance. So, you know, the running game this week is going to be a big deal. Seeing them put up 180 yards, 184 yards in the Browns was really cool. Um, the Browns are not a good run defense. They're a really bad run defense. I thought they actually looked pretty good um, on Sunday, and I think the Seahawks earned those yards. Those were hard yards. Um, but there was a real commitment by Seattle to get them. This week, I think it's, it could be tougher sledding. And so, you know, getting 120 to 150 yards on the ground would be great. Um, and if you could get a 100 yard rusher, that would be even better. Um, to see like one guy that really, you know, carried the load and was able to, to kind of sustain the team as a feature kind of back, I think would be great. So, um, I think that's another thing to watch this week. Uh, how the offensive line holds up against the best pass rushing group they're going to have faced in a while um, is going to be interesting and how Russell Wilson handles that and is he prepared. Uh, those are those are things I'm going to be looking for. Um, I, I will point out, you know, that we, I'm probably going to write about this, but it's been really great with the, the attention Doug's got and Tyler Lockett's got. um I think there's a little bit of a miss on what's been going on with Jermaine curse. And, um, this is a guy that, you know, has been quiet. And I wrote an article saying, Hey, it might be time to sit this guy because this is when the Seahawks, you know, a few weeks ago when, you know, he was not getting the ball. Um, after the Arizona game, I said, you know, maybe it's time. Like he's not getting, he got two targets in the Arizona game. He got one target against Dallas. um, he'd had one catch or less in three of four games. And, um, just seemed like if he's not playing, Paul Richardson should get more time. Tyler Lockett could get more time. Jimmy Graham could get more time. Um, Kevin Smith, maybe you learned a little bit about him. Um, but to his credit, he just powered through and, you know, he had a nice solid game against San Francisco. And then he came back with two touchdowns against the Steelers. Um, And then no catches against the Vikings. And then seven catches and eight targets two weeks in a row. Um, And, you know, sets his career high for yards last week. Has become a reliable third-down target running slants for Russell. And um, has caught the ball in over the middle in places where you know he's going to get hit. And he's managed to hold on to the ball and, and done it courageously. So I think Jermaine deserves... A little bit of a a shout out and um, a tip of the cap for his toughness and the way he's been playing, and um, you know that'll be an interesting decision for the Seahawks at the end of the season. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't know how much of a market there's going to be for him. Um, I've just assumed Seattle's not going to pay him what he wants, and he's going to move elsewhere. But there is a chance there is, depending on how the rest of the season plays out and how the off season, how the playoffs go. Um he could be a guy that they decide they want back if it's a, a reasonable price. Um I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibilities. So um been nice to watch him play, been nice to see him find a role um and a reliable one and, and that Russell's got comfort with that. So um I think uh I think we'll kind of call it a wrap there. We're we're nearing the hour mark and, and I'm sure you guys are <laughs> done with your jogs or ready to go to sleep or, or whatever it is you do when you um, listen to this podcast. Um, I will almost certainly do more of these um, over the next week and a half. As I said, I, I don't have work um, during that time and I tend to spend it on, on frivolous stuff like uh, Seahawks blogs. So um, I'll be back, but uh Thank you again. Um, again, uh, appreciate you guys listening all year. Um, I will let you know that that uh, I'm going to be making my annual donation to Ben's Fund. I haven't been able to calculate exactly how much it'll be. I know it's going to be a record year in terms of what I'll be able to donate. Um, and we've been able to donate in total, like you know, over over fifty thousand dollars to Ben's Fund um, over the years um, f- from. People going to the blog and from my own contributions, in addition to that, and um, really proud of that. And so, uh, thanks for reading, and thanks for sharing, and uh, thanks for listening. So, with that, take care, happy holidays, and uh, as always, go Hawks.